Welcome to the Global Watch Prayer Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we build community in prayer to empower the church from local expressions to global connections. For more information and resources on the Global Watch, visit theglobalwatch.com. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And Shabbat Shalom and Hanukkah Sameach. Wow. Good to see you, and I just want to thank you all for keeping the feast with us. And I know this is not one of the feasts of the Lord. Notice I didn't say Jewish holidays, but it's not one of the Leviticus 23 feasts of the Lord that are our feasts and your feasts, all of us together. But Yeshua did celebrate this one, and I know that. It comes from when he was walking in Solomon's portico, the area, and it was the Feast of Dedication. And you probably, knowing that you know about blueletterbible.com and all the ways that you can access Hebrew words in there and look at them, but I want to take the word Chanukah a little step deeper tonight. But before I do that, let's just start with a prayer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this Chanukah. Thank you for this Shabbat as we enter in. Lord, there are so many things happening at once in the spirit world. We can hardly keep track of all that is happening and all the relevance of all these different events. And so, Lord, we just put it all in your hands as we enter into Shabbat. Yom Menucha, a day of rest a day of rest in you, Lord. And we thank you that we can truly take a Shabbat in you and get our batteries recharged by staying in worship and in your word and drawing close to you. So thank you for that. B'Shem Yeshua. Amen. Amen. So with that in mind, I want to take the word Sanuka a step deeper yeah, so you know that the word uh, Hanukkah, the first time it's found in the Bible, it's in number seven. And then several times throughout numbers, it's found a, in reference to dedication, um, a dedication offering or a consecrated offering. Those are the two main meanings of it. But in Hebrew, since Hebrew is a language of roots, I just thought of this today. I never really thought of it before. But the word chet, nun, and chaf, those are the three words that make up Hanukkah. And there's a totally different word that has the same root. And it's chinuch, which means education. And so how can you put the two together? Consecration and education. And I just had to look up the word educate as far as what does it mean to develop the mental, moral, social capabilities, especially by schooling and instruction to be taught. It can be to provide knowledge or training in a particular area for a particular purpose. It can be to provide with information for a position or to influence behavior. But my question for the Lord was, what does that have to do with consecration? And maybe you're wondering that too. I haven't figured it all out, okay? If anybody has insight, please raise your hand. Maybe 
put your two shekels worth in um because i love it when this is interactive but i just want to oh yeah our power keeps going on and off here that's why i'm on my phone oh come on lights come on all time to do light electricity has been going off and on all day long i don't know there must be something prophetic in that but May I propose one thought that came to me? Okay, hallelujah. Daylight. Uh, do you remember when the ark was being brought back up into Jerusalem? And David was dancing with all his might, and there was great rejoicing, and it was going to be a time of Chanukah like a, a rededication of the house of God. And so that was very important, very big time. You remember a man named Uziah stretched out his hand. He thought that the ark was going to fall off the uh, cart. And so he was just trying to do the right thing. And he stuck his hand out there. He was struck dead. And I thought about that because the Lord kind of put that in my heart when I was trying to figure out, okay, what does educate and consecrate have to do with each other? This was a time of consecration. The ark was being returned to Jerusalem. It's huge. And obviously Uziah wasn't educated. He didn't consider the fact that he wasn't a priest. He was not allowed to touch the ark, even though his intentions were great. He was just trying to help. So could that be the relation? I don't know. What do you all think? Does anybody have any thoughts on this? The similarities between Chinuch and Chanukah, which have the same root, education versus consecration, although it means the same. Yeah, go ahead, Vic and Diane. Uh, it just occurred to me that you cannot consecrate what you do not know. Ooh, I like that. Yes, excellent. You cannot consecrate what you do not know. Wow, there's a lot of that going on. Wow, I love it. Just the fact that in this week's Parashat Shavuah, it includes in the Haftor portion, we're in the book of Amos, Amos, which includes this popular verse that we all know and love, that God never does anything without first revealing his plans to his servants, the prophets. And so I think there's really something that God wants us to learn from this word of, and there was one other thing in here that really struck me. Let me find it. Okay of the meaning of the root of Hanukkah. Okay, it also means to inaugurate, um, which is usually what you say when a, a president is being inaugurated. It also means to guide, to tutor. And so these are the meanings of that word, that same root of Hanukkah. Right. Go ahead, Suzanne. Yes, I'm a trauma educator and later in, in Germany, trauma educator and counselor. But lately, somebody asked me what we don't have it in English, trauma educator, this name. 
And then I was thinking about it and was saying, yes, trauma educator, what does it mean? It means uh, not only to teach people and to train and to give them brain knowledge, this is one part, but this is only a very small part. The main part of the trauma educator is that there is a transformation of what happens in the trauma, that you combine two parts of the brain again together and that there's a healing taking place. So this is, a, especially these two parts, which are separated during trauma, um, to bring them together again and to help people to deal with the daily life again. So this is a um, kind of behavior and changing a transformation of heart, basically a transformation of experience. So it's not only, so they, they can go on in life, to bring life back. Amen. Shouldn't that be that key word that you put in there, transformation, shouldn't that be part of education? Shouldn't it be transformative? And shouldn't our dedication, our consecration, also be part of rededication? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, amen, amen. Couple more thoughts, Amy? I was thinking that passage, Jesus learned uh, uh, because of what he suffered. He learned obedience from the things of the Father, and that's how it, it ties in what I've been meditating about. His love for the Father, he obeyed those commands, is what empowered him. So our dedication, our separation, our being willing to separate ourselves, and it is suffering. It's a killing of the flesh, and it's but it's a birthing then, and that that's an education, and it says that in Psalm 119, teach me out of neither way of your laws, keeping them will be its own reward for me. And so that learning of who God is and how he handles things, his laws enables us, empowers us to be dedicated. Amen. And this is from another educator. Thank you, Amy. <laughs> and Mary, uh-huh. We need the light of God's word and the light of his revelation to know and understand the parameters he has for us to walk in and to live our lives by so that we can actually walk on that straight and narrow path that leads to life. Amen, oh, beautiful. Wow, so rich, I love it. And my phone is so little. Mary. That's Marvy. Oh, no. Mar <laughs> Yay. Yes. So I'm on the road, so hopefully I'm not cutting out. But I just was also thinking of, in, in terms of consecrate and educate, I was thinking of Deuteronomy 6 and the charge to Israel to teach their children, to train them as they walk along the road. And then I think of um, Deuteronomy 29, 29, which says, I've not, I've, I've given you enough to know how to choose life over death um, in Deuteronomy 30, but we're not responsible, as Vic said, what we don't know, but what you were given Israel, you were supposed to teach and teach your children. I think today, even as we're praying for the children, that we need to pray for the fathers and mothers, because many of them were not fathered or mothered in the way of the Lord. 
And we're seeing that in the university education, we put our hope in education, rather edu secular education, rather than educating our children in the way of the Lord. So that's just something that came to my mind as you were speaking of that. Wow, that's excellent. Thank you, Marvie. And, and I'm reminded of one of the key scriptures in Judaism is Deuteronomy 6.4. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. But we also memorize, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words, which I command you this day, shall be upon your hearts and upon your minds, and you shall teach them diligently to your children in all things, when you walk by the way, when you sit down, when you rise up, when you lie down, all these different things. That's Deuteronomy 6. Four follow up until nine is what I'm quoting. We memorized that as a child. And that's a key point that when you do teach your children to walk with the Lord, when you sit in your house, when you get, get up and walk outside, when you come in and, and whatever you do, everywhere you go. And so you're educating your children. And what are you really doing by educating them? You're consecrating them. Of the Lord. And this is, wow. This is beautiful. Wow. Praise God. If we don't have any more thoughts on this, there's a big prayer point that needs to come forth because I'm already shaking from this. I already know because I know my people. I, I know my thoughts and my thoughts are typically uh, tend to resonate what's out there in the Israeli public. I've just seen it too many times. I don't know if some of you saw Peter Sukahara's message last week on Shabbat at Keilat the Carmel, but he was talking about how we, the body of Messiah, need to get to the point where we can, yeah, it was brilliant, where we can actually bless and pray for our enemies, and that includes Hamas. Okay, we hate what they did, there needs to be justice, there needs to be absolutely, he's not saying that, okay, just let them go and it's all good. No, there, there needs to be justice and they need to pay for what they did. And if that includes uh, this new ruling that is uh, being mulled over in the Israeli leadership to execute terrorists, they've never had the death penalty here before, but they're considering it now. And a lot of Israelis are going, yeah, you can't reform people who have said, kill all the Jews, and then come after all you guys, too, and the Galut, and all the, the Christians, too, and all those who are not Muslim. We're all of us on this call. We're all infidels, and we're all worthy of dying in the eyes of radical, fundamental Islamics, okay? I'm not saying all Arabs. I'm not saying all Muslims. I'm saying the radical terrorists. And so Israel is considering making that distinction, which they have not made before, of executing a, the death penalty for terrorists, okay? And I don't just mean waiting until they kill somebody and then neutralizing them as we use that nice word that, that sounds better than killing. I'm talking about when we find them. So I don't know if you saw what happened yesterday, but as we started flooding the tunnels, huge amounts of terrorists came out of the tunnels and surrendered. They laid down their weapons and 
first of all, they know that Israel is very humane in the way we do things. We will not treat them the way they treated our hostages. They will get a nice jail cell. They will get food. They will get medical care if they need it. They will get everything they need. Uh, our hostages weren't treated that way. What if we were to treat the Hamas uh, prisoners that have surrendered the way they treated our hostages? Oh my goodness, world opinion would go crazy. But this is my question, especially in light of we're up to 91 soldiers have been killed in the Gaza offensive now. I'm watching it. I, I get the news and I'm watching it and I pray Kaddish over each one that, because that, I'm just so devastated that we've already lost 91 young men, mostly in Gaza. And it's like, how can this be happening? But just yesterday, too, this has all happened yesterday. Gabi Eisenkot's son, Gal, fell in battle. Gabi Eisenkot is the former IDF chief of staff of the army. In other words, he's, he was the head of our armed forces and his son Gal fell in battle. Now, normally when it gets to a point like this where it's a leader, uh, they wanna do something. They, if it's just people like us who nobody knows, we're not famous, we don't have a name, okay, whatever. But I'm wondering what's going to happen to those hostages. Keeping in mind what Peter spoke about, how we're supposed to pray for them, that they will not perish for all eternity. And I get that. I have to tell, I think I've mentioned it before, but when the massacre first happened, October 7th, I went through a period of weeks. deep rage literally i wanted to kill somebody i was that bad and and i'm not like that at all okay but deep rage or deep depression where i couldn't even get out of bed Th those were my two emotions predominant emotions and in between all of this i was trying to struggle with how to reconcile this with being a follower of yeshua and it was hard. Believe me, it was hard. And having talked with a lot of other believers here in the land, they felt the same way. And it was very hard to see because we were violated as a people. We were the things that they, the Hamas terrorists did to us October 7th, have, not in our land. This was supposed to be safe. I grew up with my grandfather, Sam Bernstein, a blessed memory talking about the pogroms in, in the shtetls in, in Europe, in Poland, and where the so-called Christians would come in the village, the, the Jewish villages, and burn the synagogue with Jews inside, and raping the women, and so forth. And that kind of thing happened outside of Israel, but it never happened in Israel. So in other words, we don't feel safe in our own land. And now, as of yesterday, truckloads of terrorists. We had to strip them, the, the IDF soldiers had to strip them down into just their underwear. They're wearing nothing because we were worried about Trojan horses. Like maybe they have a, a suicide belt on them, which wouldn't surprise us at all. And so they're just in their underwear being taken 
by the truckload, truck after truck. What are we going to do with them? I know what Israelis are thinking. Uh, and I'm, the thought has occurred to me too. But in light of being a believer in Messiah, can we take just a few seconds to wait on the Lord and see what he has to say about this? What comes to me is the scripture, for the Lord loves justice. Anyone else, please feel free to share. Okay, two things. The one was that Jesus is the one who has the keys over, that God is basically the one who decides about over death and life. And the other is that we our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the spirit. And that God always loves us and he sees our hearts. We can't judge. And yeah, and sometimes we think they are not going to be changed, but I think we can't, we can't decide if one man can change or not change. I think it's our responsibility to um, say, uh, to leave it to the Lord, but also to educate people even they are in prison, to educate them. Honestly, I don't agree. I'm, I'm just being honest, okay? I don't agree because unless they get born again, spirit-filled, yeah. I don't see another. And also, what about justice? People who perpetrated the attack, the massacre on October 7th, and I don't know if you know this, but after the about 1,500 Hamas terrorists did what they did, the raping, the burning, all the, the murders that they did. Another about 1,500 citizens of Gaza entered into the Gaza envelope, the kibbutznik, the kibbutzim area around Gaza. And they entered in to continue to loot and to raid and to rape and to whatever the leftovers were. And I want to see people saved, obviously. But what about justice for the perpetrators? And I don't believe, I believe if somebody was a participant in that, and I'm including the mothers who hand out candy to their children when there is a terror bombing and they're celebrating the death of Israelis and with glee and, and joy, they're also complicit. This is how I see it. And, and where is justice? Where is justice? And at what point do we draw the line with the justice? And and so I don't know who had their hand up first, Amy or Sue. I think Amy, because it's to the far left. Yeah. Go ahead, Amy. I just, I just wanted to share a testimony because I've struggled with this too. I've listened to, I've made it a point to hear the testimonies of people coming out of World War II, uh, Richard Wurmbrandt. But a testimony of a woman, there, they were missionaries down in, I believe it was the Netherlands, uh, Guiana, where the Japanese came in and they invaded, took them over, separated the men from the women, and just some of the horrible things that they put them through. This woman was, she became a leader of the women's group. 
And she was able to really minister to the commander who had just come from the men's camp and had been guilty of murdering several of the men. And one of uh, the men over there was her husband who eventually did die. But she was able to, at points in time, God gave her grace to minister and pray to the Lord over him. He ended up, many years later, she ran into someone that was talking about some guy selling bicycles at a shop in Japan that because they, I guess they were there needed to purchase them. The man shared his testimony. It turned out this was the man who was the commander. And God had miraculously changed him and brought him to salvation. And it doesn't mean it's not hard. I can't even imagine it. I, I just, that's why for me, I need to see where people are coming from that have experienced what you all have experienced. As, but also knowing God is a God of justice, but he is the lawgiver and he is the judge. And for us to relinquish ourselves in humility, to allow him to deal in justice requires us to come during this Hanukkah season, what are my bitternesses? What, how am I offended? Lord, help me to love them the way you love them, but that you will, your trustworthiness is that you will bring justice. And there will be some of them that will get saved. I don't know how, I think that's a miracle, but we serve a God of miracles. But he wants to, us to not allow that to come into our spirit so that we're not in a place where we can pray for them and allow the spirit of God to move over them and bring some of them to salvation. Not all of them will. There right. will be well, some. You know what? I hope, I do hope that some of them will be saved, that this can happen because I don't want any to perish. But I also want to throw this into the mix and then uh, Sue is next, that this thought occurred to me too, and I know it's occurred to other Israelis. If we don't do the death penalty for terrorists, they will languish in our prisons until they kidnap more of our men, women, and children and hold them hostage in exchange for more Arab prisoners. And it's a vicious cycle that happens. We imprison, we don't do the things that Hamas and, and the other terrorists do. We hold in prison and, and they, it's not nice. It's not like a fun place, but it is, it, they get an education in prison. There's stuff that, that they can do in, in the Israeli prison system. But at what point do we say no more? And, and this is my question. And Sue, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, Carolyn, this is an excellent discussion. Thank you for bringing this up. You're a true watchman there in Israel, as many of them uh, on the watch are. But as you were talking, I was just thinking, God, this is what, what, and he, he, he reminded me of the book of Habakkuk. And <clears throat> Habakkuk is a real sincere intercessor, prophetic voice in Israel and, and the throes of destruction. And he comes before the Lord <clears throat> and he says, oh Lord, how long shall I cry? And you will not hear? Even uh, even cry out to you violence, and you will not save. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? For plundering and violence are before me. There is strife and contention arises. 
Therefore, the law is powerless and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, perverse judgment proceeds. Does that sound like today? Um, <clears throat> anyway, totally. And, and, and by the way, where it says, I cry out to you violence. What he's saying is, I cry out to you, Hamas. Yeah, oh, there you go. Okay. The word for so, violence right so, there in the scripture. This is a contending book of a, a, a prophet that's prophesying for a nation that's in trouble. And the Lord just comes back and says, well, look among the nations and watch. Be utterly astounded, for I will work a work in your days, which you would not believe, though it were told you. For indeed, I am raising up the Chaldeans, a bitter and hasty nation, which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. And I'm just going to say this to you all, Watchmen. <clears throat> when we went through our last presidential election, when it certainly looked like it was going in the way that everyone's and it reversed in the, mid of the middle of the night, I sought the Lord and he said to, to me, it's my doing. <clears throat> because I'm about to shift things. Mm. Mm. And uh, the, uh, <clears throat> I feel that this is, it, it, we could all go into, I, I'm going to call us all to the book of Habakkuk for this next week, <laughs> because uh, I could go on and on this, but um, I won't. <clears throat> but I would say that we've got to get ready for a massive power shift. Yes, and I, I agree. That's why we're going to do the 21 days at the beginning of the year. We've got to prepare ourselves for a massive shift. And I don't think we're ready. And, and now Habakkuk wasn't ready. He was contending with the Lord. And finally, in, in the third, uh, third chapter, it says, Oh, Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. Oh, Lord, revive your work in the midst of your years. In the midst of years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Yeah. Well, none of us are right before the Lord. We are under the thumbprint of a massive shift. The Lord is moving and Jesus' footprints is in, in the air. And he's coming closer. And we need to discern the nations from the standpoint of Jesus' view. And yes. that's... That, kind of that'll rearrange your head really quickly and the process begins of rearranging um our stance as watchmen and it's it is a necessary stance you are made further ahead than maybe me but i'm been um hearing of all these people saying there's going to be a turning and there may there will be a shift uh, but I'm wide open to what the Lord is going to do because he's going to astound us. And I, I believe he's going to astound Israel because that is the apple of his eye. And there's going to be more that maybe once I study more in the Habakkuk area, I, uh, Father, I just pray for all of us to prepare our hearts yes. and our minds for this massive shift that is underway. And that we would not be surprised, but our faith and our trust will be in you. Give us the word of correction. I think that's in Habakkuk too. Mm -hmm. How you will correct me and yeah. show me how to run. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And actually, I'm so thankful we have Shabbats where we can line up with the Lord. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't mean to make it so, uh, but it's, it's really a heavy thing on me and on my people. What do we do with all these Arab prisoners in our midst? Hamas terrorists who are now filled, filling our jails, who surrendered. And we, I know we will treat them well. Okay, there'll be some we won't treat so well once we find out who they really are. But um, I would ask you to please pray that no root of bitterness, in fact, I'll pray that now. Lord, I just pray that no root of bitterness would spring up among my people that, uh, because I know how they think. And, I, and I'm thinking the same way. And so I ask you to help me with that too, Lord, that I would not become bitter with all these terrorists filling our prisoners who could one day be exchanged for more kidnapped Israeli soldiers, Israeli citizens, God forbid. Lord, show us what to do. Show us how to behave. Even take control of our thoughts. Submit every thought to Messiah, that it would be obedient to you, that we would not be thinking out of line, especially in the body of Messiah. Father, I just ask you to help us to not let bitterness be the way of the day. I also want to add this to this because it's interesting, Sue, that you went to Habakkuk um, because some of you saw this dream and word that I had where the Lord was giving it's almost when you do an inductive Bible study, you have this thing where you look at the dates. And I felt as I, as I was exploring what the Lord was talking about, it's in a, a dream called the way of the oil, that we can't impart our oil to other people, but we can make sure we have enough oil in our lamps, that we can impart the way of the oil to others. And as the Lord began to speak through this word, I really encourage you to read it because he's talking all through. Basically what he's saying is the second chapter of Habakkuk is what we need to live in for the rest of our days. That there is stuff in that book that is gonna be so critical in the coming days. And one of the things that's in there, and I, I just want to throw this out as for you all to pray about uh, before I talk about one other thing concerning oil. Um, how much time do we have? Yeah. Um, is uh, the, on the 24th of the month. And, and, and so he's talking in the second year of Darius, uh, all throughout Habakkuk, the second book, second chapter, sorry, of Habakkuk, he's talking about the different dates. And one of the dates that he gives is the 24th of the month of Shevet, um, during the king, during the time of Darius. Now, somebody else picked up on this by the name of, and he talks about the 24th of the month, the Hebrew month of Shevet. And that's the date when he had that dream about the four artisans, the four Kharishim, who are the ones who are being called to terrify and scatter and destroy the enemies of Israel. Think about that. It's really, we don't put enough stock into that. I do, but I'm trying to get this message out there because the Lord has shown me, and it was a confirmation in the way of the oil. Good. I'm glad you've been praying that, Rhoda. I, and I hope others will too, that what he showed me, even though we're a nation at war, there are not tour groups coming to Israel, 
he showed me he wants the 24th of the 11th month, the month of Shevet, which is coming up, which equals February 3rd, 2024. The Lord wants a gathering of prophetic art. Doesn't mean you need to paint or draw or sing. It's just <laughs> people who understand the prophetic word of God and understand that the creator of the universe, um, that spirit Caroline? that comes from him. Yes. Can you give us the, maybe not right now, but could you put in the verses that were the 24th of Shevet comes in? Yes. Actually, if you just look in, let me find it real quick. The whole thing. Way. Ah, okay. Let me do this. Hold on. I'll get the link for you and you can copy it. Uh, it's basically on our website under dreams and visions. <clears throat> Let me see if it's going to open. Come on. The internet's very slow on Fridays because everybody's home and everybody's on their computer. You don't have to do it now. If you could just uh, put it in the text or something to me, that'd be great. Okay. Okay. It's. Yeah, it's a dream called The Way of the Oil. I don't know, it's somewhere in here. I'm, I'll find the link for you and I'll post it. Um, yeah, and then you'll see all the words. And by the way, one of the words from Habakkuk was, here it is, was also from Habakkuk too. And it's from last night. And this is what I want to talk about next. Okay, so I found it. I'm going to post this in, in the chat. I got, wait, it's hard to do this on the phone. Here we go. Okay. Oh, that's not, that, it didn't all come out. Anyway, just look under uh, the way of the oil and you, you'll find it. And then all the dates are in there. Because I want to move into the next uh, thing about oil. I had a very unusual thing happen and I really wanted to show it. Yeah, thank you, Shirley. If you can find the whole thing, there you go. Praise God. You're good. Thank you. Um, I had a very unusual thing happen yesterday on actually one of those dates from that's written in the way of the oil, December 7th. I was working in spot with two different groups of friends who are religious Jews, some Haredim, um, who are doing humanitarian aid. They called me and asked me to come up and help them. So I spent the day chopping vegetables, cooking, delivering food, and so forth. And then that night, uh, I was invited by one of my friends uh, from Sfat to a military base up in the Golan. And they were going to light the Hanukkah candles together. And so I went up there and I, I wanted to show this to you. They actually let me film this. One of the soldiers, because I went around, I was giving out the Psalm 91 bandanas to the soldiers. I was ha having so much fun giving hugs to these guys and, and talking with them. And, and then the soldiers, I guess they decided that I was okay. They invited me to come inside um, the 
first of all, they showed me the different artillery. They took me into the tent where all the artillery is. Glad nothing hit it while I was in there. <laughs> that, that's it. I wouldn't be here tonight. And, and then they invited me into, it's not a tank. It's something that shoots. I don't know. I, I forgot. It had a howitzer in it, whatever. Anyway, it wasn't a tank. It was some other kind of huge vehicle. And it's all, and they showed me everything inside, the, how the computer operates. A guy is here, a guy is there, they're showing. And, and at one point, as he opened up the chamber to be able to put the artillery inside of it, uh, I asked him, wow, what's that smell? It's a really strong smell. And he said, oh, it's the oil. And so he, the soldier and I looked at each other and we, and I said something like, oh, because it's Hanukkah, because it's all about the oil. We eat a lot of fried foods on Hanukkah. Everything's about the oil. And so we had a good laugh about that. And he let me film this. I'm, I'm not sharing this with anybody because uh, I don't know what to do with that kind of. But then he showed me something. And this is what I wanted to impart to you with the artillery when it's inserted into the howitzer and they are about to close the door and they have their targets in mind and they're ready to fire on the enemy there's he showed me one little tiny bullet and he said this is what we insert in the chamber next to it and this is what gets ignited this is the spark that lights the artillery that then goes out and fires and then explodes. And it's one little tiny thing that lights the spark. And I feel as I was in there filming him and listening, and then afterwards, the rabbi on the base was sharing a little message about Hanukkah and everything. And then he let me share the story about Psalm 91 and how, and I even said, look, it's not a matter of religion. It's just the word of God and put it on your head and keep it close to you. And they did that. They all graciously received it except for two people. Okay. That happens. But there's something about that little spark that ignites the artillery that then hits the target, hits the mark. And I felt like God wanted to say something about this Hanukkah to us. And I don't know what it is, but again, let's take a minute, wait on the Lord. And if anybody has anything about this spark that ignites the artillery, that then hits the mark. Any impression? Yes. Wouldn't it be... The picture that came to my mind was the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles. Jesus said, don't leave until you are imbued with power. And the, the Holy Spirit is always represented by oil. And that unleashed God's artillery. That was the speaking of that word where thousands were saved. And it goes along with the stone that hit the statue and it was destroyed that Nebuchadnezzar had. But that's God's artillery. It's the church. It's being anointed with the oil of the Holy Spirit that goes out 
And that's part of training our hands for war. He's a man of war and he's our dread champion. I think that all ties in with that. I love it. I love it. Beautiful. Any other impressions? I was and just thinking. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just thinking with the, the setup you were explaining that everything's set up and in place, but then someone has still got to press the button to make it all happen. The verse that dropped into my mind was how beautiful are the feet of them that bring good news. And it's in the place of unity. It is that place that the oil of blessing is poured out and it's as the oil that flowed from the head even to the garment and drawing together what you said to us earlier on about education and consecration that is it requires oil comes from sacrifice there must be a pressing and a crushing but a tiny bit of oil can do so many things it can cause a fire with it you can also cook food and of course with it you can anoint the heads of men and or in this case the artillery will be creating a friction because I presume it's made of iron but that tiny bit of oil because you, you gave an idea of the scale, scale of size allows that mighty weapon to go forth and be launched and hit the mark and in a sense again what the IDF have to do right now is the filthy garments that Saul Melech did not sort out is what they are the arms that they have taken on. Mm -hmm. And right. again, to your earlier point, and, and I'll finish on this because we're, we're, um, I'm very conscious of the time, prison economics is very expensive. And so there needs to be a resolution of sorts, but it must come from Elohi Israel, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to pour down into the hearts of anyone who's in governance and governance as to how to come about this not forgetting that the same god and creator the lawgiver the ancient of days does not desire that anyone should perish so i think you've opened up i won't say a hornet's nest but so many things for us to go into our individual closets and as again as an ecclesia bring the threads that the holy spirit is speaking about so yeah. that we might have that divine understanding of his heart. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. Beautifully put. And PG is all I see. Is that Petra Gorney? <laughs> yeah, Petra? that's me. <laughs> <laughs> what I want to share, I don't know how this all ties in, but I share an observation. So last year, Hanukkah, I'm, I like biblical archaeology, and somebody shared last year on the Global Watch thread, I don't know who it was, a finding that a little Israeli girl found a, a ring, and it was a green ring. And then this year, it was some broken pottery was found, and it is assumed that there was oil in this broken pottery. So I find it quite intriguing that last year that signet ring was found. And to me, it spoke of the Ruth company, actually. So they said yeah. in, these, in, in this newspaper article, and unfortunately, I can't find it anymore, that these rings were... Uh, allegiance, uh, pledging allegiance to Israel. So there were not uh, believers in Yeshua at the time, but there were, I don't know how you call them, proselytes. So they were joining with the, 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 the Jews, basically, and 
to uh, identify themselves with the Jewish people, they would wear this ring. And I found this very interesting wow. that this news was released last year at Hanukkah. And then this year is that a broken oil jar was found, a pottery vessel. Wow, that and is I so confirming. Oh my goodness. And I don't know, because I was pondering over your word, the way of the oil, and it goes up my mind the whole time, I think for at least a week or so, very intensively. And I don't know what to make out of it. So I just throw it in. I don't either. <laughs> wow, because yes, in the way of the oil, the Lord speaks about the signal, the signet ring and the oil. Wow, Petra, thank you for illuminating that. I want to share a poem with you and communion. So Suzanne, if you can make it real short, just uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Try my best. Yeah, I had Psalm 123. One, two, three, three. And there's this verse, as the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress. Behold, as the eyes of a servant look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress. So that means if the Lord is moving in the past, the servants, just depending on the, the movement of the hand, they knew exactly. Mm. And this fits us together that everybody, that God is putting us in place somewhere and in our duties. And maybe this has also to do with the first question. Maybe we as priests we are not allowed to do this decision, but we can pray. But the judges, they can do the decisions and led by the Lord. Everything yeah. needs to fit together and then it can spark. This was. I like that. Yes. And then comes the spark. And that lights the artillery and hits the mark. May we all hit the mark this week. I want to read you a short poem for Hanukkah that the Lord just gave. And then let's do communion together and finish. While listening intently, many waters rushed, rushed by. The spirit inhaled and expired a great sigh that filled the whole world with wonder and shock as cells multiplied that were built on the rock. Flourishing flocks in the fields of his hand, nourished and grafted in, called forth to stand. In the furnace of suffering, we haven't a clue what we'll do with near nothing when the last days roll through. Then I heard those great waters waiting to speak for just the right time till one sprung a leak that went its own way to start a new flow away from the source. Look at that glow, appealingly easy, independently queasy, like playing a cello with a bow made of jello. And a new voice emerged, controlling and cruel. Fat sheep were empowered to herd and to rule. At first, many followed the new world odor, detecting no stench nor hearts growing colder, till the faithful hand that once wrote on a wall drew a, land, a line in the sand and began to install a great love for his people, tortured and caged by the ravenous nations that taunted and raged. How long, O oh Lord, in the darkness we grope with barely a whisper of your great hope. Oh, give us a new heart and a new pair of ears to hear your voice alone that will calm all our fears. Be our Hanukkah light when no oil can be found. Let your waters rush by, cleansing the ground, removing the groan and the leaders from hell, 
Raise up your throne where your presence will dwell. Be our Hanukkah light in the dark of the night. Be our Hanukkah gift as we enter the shift. Be our Hanukkah shamash that lights our light as we take a deep breath for the final flight and gaze at your beauty and your glorious might. Amen. Be our Hanukkah light. That's our prayer. And so as we go into communion, we thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for this Shabbat. Hallelujah. And by the way, when you're lighting the candles, you always light the Shabbat candles last. And once you light those, then you don't light anymore. But yeah, Hanukkah first and then the Shabbat candles. We just thank you, Father, for the wine, the spirit of your joy. Lord, let it flow. Let it be poured out. Let your wine be poured out like your oil was poured out as you did Hanukkah miracles in days of old. Lord, let the wine of your spirit be poured out all over this land. And we just drink to you and we do this in remembrance of you. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu. Amen. Amen. Yeshua. And we take the matzah, the bread of life, we do this in remembrance of you. And we do this in remembering those people who were taken captive yesterday from Hamas. Wherever they are, we ask you, Father, that they would have a vision of Yeshua and that they, as broken as they are right now, that they would be acknowledging how you, Lord, were broken for us and for our sin, and they would come to you in great numbers. And so we do this in remembrance of you as we eat the bread together, the bread of life. Thank you for pondering these things on Shabbat. I love you all. I bless you all. And I hope and pray that you have an incredible Shabbat. Let's everybody unmute and say Shabbat Shalom. 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 Shabbat Shalom.